The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, and I talk all about AEW Dynamite. Obviously, MJF and what he did to William Regal last night on Dynamite. Also have to get into match number three of the trios match between Death Triangle and the Elite. Also, what started Dynamite last night, and that's the face-off between a returning Hangman Page and John Moxley. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. MJF from Dynamite last night, and the one thing that he was able to do last night, Tommy and Bully, and it's something that we've talked about a lot, is we've obviously seen, and I'm a witness to it being in Newark for full gear a couple weekends ago, is how much MJF is being cheered. At the beginning of that segment last night when he came out, he was being cheered by that crowd. But at the end, he was being booed. Bully, you were asking that question. I felt like there was a lot more boos from MJF last night than there were cheers for the first time in a very long time. What question was I asking? No, you, you were asking, how are you going to get, this is not on today's show, but in the past, how can you turn that around? How could MJF get booed from a crowd that continuously cheers him? I think what he did last night succeeded in that way. I mean, MJF is a, is a quote-unquote heel who took out another heel. There were plenty of people last night who appreciated what MJF did because there's just such uber MJF fans. Last night was very, very interesting in the fact that <clears throat> you needed to listen to the crowd and how they were responding to stuff, whether it's init- the, the initial response of we like MJF or we don't like MJF or the response of we're into this promo or we're not into this promo, or this promo is going on too long, or there's an aspect of the fans that I believe are getting a little fed up with MJF because all he keeps doing is shoving it up their ass and nobody has knocked him out yet or knocked him out in a way that the fans see suitable. There's a lot of stuff going on with his character because he's like one of those shooting stars in the wrestling business. As quick as you can head up, you can hit the top and then start hitting, start heading straight down. They have to be very careful with him as the world champion. They have to be careful with the, the, the people might wind up kind of, I felt there was a, almost a moment where they wanted to turn their back on him last night, where they were like enough already. And I believe that Max wanted this segment to go long. I believe he wanted to put the time in so that the people wouldn't see the turn coming. But there was one thing that he could have done to throw the people or to throw the people off track. And I'm going to leave that open for Dave and Tommy. It's something I know I would have done. What could Max have done 
after he put the knucks on to throw the people off track to, because I, I, because once the knucks went on and all that started happening i think we all knew what was coming and if you're thinking to yourself as a performer i you know i know the people are going to see this coming you have to think of okay what can i do so they don't see it coming Tommy. the fans did not see me in any way coming when I pulled Josh Alexander's wife over that, over that guardrail, they had no idea. You don't believe me? Go back and listen. The gasp, the collective gasp in the crowd tells you everything you need to know. But with MJF, you didn't get that gasp. Yeah, you got people who booed and like, oh, I can't believe he did that. But what could he have done so you didn't see it coming? I'll leave it open. Tommy? Um, I don't know. Um I don't, I liked the segment. I liked uh, what he did. And I did feel there was a shock factor. Your thing was way different than uh, what, what MJF did. And I do feel that people were booing him. Um, I do feel he turned, this is his mission statement. This is his, as your champion. I loved everything that he said. Um, I love that. He's, I love that. He said, he's not going to wrestle much. It's funny because I have brought this up many, many times. When wrestlers are doing the chase for the title, they're wrestling, they're beating everybody. And then once they win that title, they normally stop wrestling every week. And that's what got them to the dance. That's what got them over on television. I'm talking for MJF. Here's a, a few little things that I know I personally wouldn't have said, excuse me. I wouldn't have said, you're going to pay to see me. Um, you're going to have to reach into your pockets to pay to see me. For the simple fact of, I get it, you're a heel. But there could be other people that be like, now you're basing yourself as the main reason to watch AEW. And I feel you're taking the credibility of yourself as the champion and I get it. You're going to pay to see me. That's just like, I won't wrestle for free on TV. That's an old Ric Flair thing. That's things that they do. But because listen, man, the times are tough. And to tell people that you're going like you're the pores, which I do love when he calls them pores, that you're going to have to pay to see me. Because the, the real thing is you're going to have to pay to see a babyface kick his ass. And to Bubba's point, how long and who is going to be that babyface? Because you can burn out like a meteor. Um, the well, other part the I hate, hate, hated was okay. to talk about the WWE enough of it and the bidding war for 24. It's great. It's cute. You're now the champion. When you mention stuff like that, you're talking I, and I get it. I understand why he's doing it. Like ECW, I'm anti-hardcore. There's no reason for it. WWE is not talking about AEW because AEW doesn't exist in WWE's world. In WWE, they're bigger than AEW in their head. And when you bring it up or even bringing up uh, the other con or even triple H you're, you're diminishing the value of your company. When I was in ECW, ECW was the main company. We took shots at the other company because they took shots at us, but when we were doing and the arena that we're in was just as big as if we were doing it in, with WWE. We purposely made WWE and WCW the enemy. Without saying it, Joey Styles was great on his commentary with his little shots. There's no reason to take shots, but there's also no reason to praise that, hey, I'm going to leave. Or it's going to be a bidding war. Because if the, I'm the owner, I say, cool, go. See ya. You will be replaced in a heartbeat. And that's what you keep reminding the fans of. Oh, by the way, these same fans that are, you're telling to... Uh, the only way you're going to have to see me wrestle is to pay for it. That's what I hated. But besides that, I loved everything about it. Bully. Now, I want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, and that was about when MJF put on those knucks, something that he could have done differently. And it's funny, Bully, because you saw that, and when you saw him put on the knucks, you knew what was about to happen. I didn't see that. I still was in the dark. Like, 
He really got me to buy in during that segment. Plus, in my own head, this allegiance just started at full gear. So I really didn't see what was about to happen coming. But, Bully, you just said you would have done things a little bit differently. How would you have done it differently? So, Dave and Tommy, there was no point in that segment from when he put the Nux on up until he nails Regal in the back of the head that you did not see it coming. That's what you guys are saying? I didn't see it coming. Tommy? I didn't see it coming either, and I was really like, man, I'm really like the Regal uh, MJF pairing. I would equate (laughs) it to, like, a Bobby Heenan and a Rick Rude. There's... We always say, like, you know, it, it became different through the years where, oh, somebody can't talk like Omos. So you put him with MVP who can. But old school, all wrestlers could talk and they had their managers. Um, so I was like, man, this is going to be a great pairing. And if you think about it, they've only been together, what, three weeks? Tops two? This is the first time we're really seeing them together together. Yeah. And I thought this was going to be like he gave up the Blackpool Fighting Club for mjf and i was just like this is going to be something cool a great spot for regal now it's gone so no i did not see it coming and and tommy it's funny because what you just said i tweeted like i i i tweeted out right before your mjf hit him it's like i like the pairing of mjf and william regal and then almost as soon as i hit send he hit him but but you know what, Bully? It's one of those things now. If I go back and watch it, I'm sure the signs are very obvious about what was going to happen. But in the moment, I didn't see it at all. So going back to Tommy liking the allegiance between Regal and uh, MJF, yeah, that little story about the emails and what happened back in the day, that might have been good because it was real. But there was no reason for William Regal to be with MJF. MJF is a superior talker doesn't need him. They don't need to be splitting mic time. There's nothing that William Regal can say that MJF can't say for himself. And Dave, you remember weeks back, I was completely against when you talked about, oh, what if William Regal turns and he goes with MJF? I was like, I don't think they need each other. And more specifically, I don't think MJF needs Regal. But for this little story that played out, it worked. Here is when I saw it coming. When I saw the Nucks go on, I knew it was going to happen. Okay. But when MJF walked around William Regal, that should have been the gigantic red flag. The minute he goes to circle him, it's like, Jesus, if you didn't see it coming beforehand, here it comes now. You know what I would have done, Dave? What? I would have circled him and made one complete loop with the brass knucks on before I did it again. Because now as he's walking towards Regal and he goes behind him, everybody's like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, no, he didn't do it. Wow. And then MJF continues to talk. Maybe even take another lap around him. And I don't think I would have positioned Regal in the corner the entire time. Because it, it just, it, it, it felt odd. I would have done one loop around Regal with the knucks on. I would have brought the people as high up as I could as they think that it's going to happen, but then it doesn't happen. Now they're scratching their head. Wait a minute. I thought this was going to And then when they least expect it, wham, there's the shot. Uh, I agree, but I mean, it, it didn't offend me. I got to ask you this though, just to go back to something that you said, does Roman Reigns need Paul Heyman? Yes. Wait, let me stop there for a second. All right. I'm going to change my answer. Roman Reigns right now does not need Paul Heyman. Roman Reigns needed Paul Heyman in the beginning. But don't you think that Paul Heyman still adds to the group? I believe that Paul is peas and carrots now. He's not steak and potatoes. Correct. Um, But with Regal, even if Regal just introduced him, even if Regal with his swagger, did little things. Here's other things. There's now when you don't have, if you look at how Raw is, we have Sami Zayn, we have the Usos. We don't need Roman Reigns every week. You don't need MJF. You can have Regal in the arena. These are all If I'm a If I'm an AEW fan, Tommy, I don't want to see William Regal instead of MJF. 
I'm paying a ticket to see MJ. Obviously, I'm paying a ticket to see EC. It's like going to an ECW show. I'm paying the I'm paying the price of admission because I want to see ECW, but I really want to see Tommy Dreamer. So if you would have sent Beulah out there to talk for you, would the people feel ripped off? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I, I just think also, but I'm also talking television. When you're talking television, it's I can have him on this week. It's ways to not show our champion or have our champion arena or further line stories. To me, honestly, I'd have Regal with him. And then I would do, I would bring, uh, what's his name? W. Morrissey to protect him. And I'd surround him with all these things just so, hey, I'm this guy. But then, like, I would have had Regal give him W. Morrissey. I don't know how we could make it work via money, but just somebody to make sure it's another way for, I mean, MJF is a chicken shit heel. And if he has all these, he's, he's the biggest guy He's actually not a chicken shit heel. I feel he is. Well, I'll go back, Bully, to something that I guess it was over a decade ago that I was shaking my head at at the time, but it, it really clicked and worked. And it's kind of similar to what we just saw, though, again, what we just saw was the end of a relationship, not the beginning of one, but uh, was when CM Punk was with Paul Heyman. Like CM Punk was at his hottest when everybody wanted to hear from CM Punk and he aligned himself with Paul Heyman. Now it led to the story with Brock Lesnar with then Paul Heyman turning on CM Punk to be with Brock Lesnar. But for a while there we had Punk and Heyman and everybody was like, why do you have Heyman with Punk? He doesn't need Paul Heyman, but it worked. And, you know, obviously we're not going to ever know what was going to happen between Regal and MJF because it ended last night. But that's probably an example of the last time I was like, man, this is a really good talker that doesn't need somebody. But he aligned himself with somebody that was and it clicked. In the beginning of Heyman and Punk or in the beginning of Heyman and Roman, creative felt that both of those talents could use something. And in aligning with Heyman, that was that extra something. As they went on, I don't believe they needed Heyman anymore, especially Punk, because Punk was a superior talker on the microphone. The, exa the example that I just gave Tommy about, you know, people paying to see ECW, and then if they get Beulah talking instead of Tommy, and Tommy disagreed, I know in your heart of hearts you cannot believe that to be true, because if they're paying a ticket to see Tommy Dreamer, they want to see Tommy Dreamer. If I'm an AEW fan, I'm not plopping down money so I can hear William Regal talk for MJF. Uh, because MJF is not here in the building. I'm going to feel gypped, especially in this day and age. And I don't want to see Morrissey or anything like that. Um, so l last night, <clears throat> excuse me. The, the one thing I do agree with Tommy on, when, when MJF first did that promo weeks ago about the bidding war of 24, I thought it was okay. Tommy hated it. Last night, Tommy didn't like it. And I didn't like it either because I don't think that fans want to be thinking in their mind that there's a chance that MJF could be leaving. Why am I supposed to invest all this time, emotion, love, hate, you name it, on somebody that could be leaving us? Do I think MJF is going to leave AEW? Absolutely not. I think that Tony will do whatever it takes if he hasn't done it already to make sure that MJF stays around. And this is just something that MJF wants to say and that Tony is approving for whatever reason. But yeah, I think you can stay away from that WWE talk right now. And As you know what? Because right now it's just getting like that oohs and ahs, like when he, you know, talks about good old St. Nick, Nick Khan, or, you know, or Triple H. It's just stirring up the internet and the dirt sheets. Yeah, and, and, and Bully, I think, first of all, it's it's the bidding war of 2024. That's like a, a lifetime away in, in the world of pro wrestling. We're still in 2022. You know, I'm not going to worry about something that's going to happen in 2024. If it was a month away, then I can understand, because then you're like, ooh, you're kind of sitting at the edge of your seat wondering what he's going to do. It's, you know, it's over 14 months before we're going to have to worry about that contract being up. The other thing is, now, Bully, again, if you're talking about the WWE six months ago, it's completely different. That world has completely changed. 
Hell, there were some people in that audience were cheering because there's probably some people in the audience that may want to see MJF go to the WWE. It's a different landscape. It's a different world. I don't think there's any reason to reference the WWE anymore. No. Think of uh, great free agents right now. Jacob deGrom, Aaron Judge, uh, Justin Verlander, who just wins the Cy Young, uh, also wins the World Series. Every home run that Aaron Judge hit was millions of dollars in his pocket. Once he broke that record, they're talking about these are going to be the highest paid athletes of all time. And if you if they did one press conference or and said, well, you know, next year when I'm playing possibly for another team, no, it's they kept their mouth shut. I don't want to talk about my contract or everybody knows about it. But there's if he goes cool. But then if you bring it up on your television show and he goes, your television company looks like crap. If he stays, the fact that he was even interested makes it look like crap as well. You don't need to go that route anymore when you're the champion. I get it. Like we did it in ECW with Rob Van Dam, Mr. Monday Night, uh, you know, I've been there. We did a flag match. It was actually 25 years ago yesterday. It was heat, but guess what? Rob actually was negotiating with the WWE, and Rob wasn't under contract with us. And then Rob decided to stay, and then what happened to Rob? He became a babyface. I fucking lived this. So there's no reason to go that route. When people were leaving, I mean, ECW was designed for people to leave. And when they left, like, you sold out, you sold out. And you became heels. The only guy, like, think of Mick Foley, who was beloved, becomes anti-hardcore. They hated him. But on his last night, they actually loved him because he was able to get that over on the mic. And he strutted out the door. But, like, for the longest time when it's like, hey, we're negotiating. Listen, man, we live that. I've lived this life now in Impact. We have a wrestler leaving tonight who's perhaps one of the greatest write-offs of a pro wrestler I've ever seen. He's leaving the company tonight. You have to tune in to see it. It comes out of nowhere. And when I watched it, I was like, this is a great friggin' movie. And what an end to a character. But if we had discussed it or talked about it, that, hey, we've known about it for like five months. And you know what our, the stance on the company was? Cool. Bye. Go have fun, whatever you else you want to do. Because then it's it opens the door for other people. But if you say it, like I said, it makes your company look like crap. And if you if you stay or leave, makes your company look like crap. Unnecessary. All right. All right so I'm going to ask you, Tommy, and you, Bully, who is the guy that's going to step up to MJF? Who is going to be that guy, as you said, Bully, that's going to step up and punch him square dead in the face and then the, and have the fans back up that person that punches him in the face? Without <clears throat> sounding self-serving, Paul Heyman designed the Dudleys to get so much heat See Tommy shaking his head already. He knows because, it, it's friggin'. It was great. I was there again. I lived this. You went from the biggest baby face to the biggest heel in that moment. And then in that moment, it all changed when Raven returned. The, the Dudleys were designed to get so much heat that no matter who came through the curtain, you wanted to see them beat the shit out of the Dudleys. It didn't matter if it was, JT Smith or Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. You just wanted to see somebody beat up the Dudleys. That's the way MJF is being built. This is the way you build a good heel. And I don't know if this is the way Tony Khan is building him or MJF is building himself, but it's working well. If MJF can go out there every night and get the heat on the microphone that he's getting, and then somebody can come out there and either almost get his hands on them or get one shot in or even beat him, the people are going to be happy. It's a way to build up a bunch of baby faces in your locker room so that you're just, you just want somebody's music to hit. You're so pissed off at MJF. You want him to get punched in the face so bad that you don't care who comes to the ring? Just somebody come to the ring and lay this schmuck out. I'm interested to Hello. see what's going to happen. I'm, I, I mean, I'm inter- it's, I don't know if he's, I don't know if that's 
that's the case here, though, Bully. Like, I don't know if there's the case where he has so much heat right now that no matter who comes down that aisle, that they, they're going to get cheered, whoever gets in MJF's face. I, I don't know. It's Maybe after what we saw last night, I guess we're going to have to wait to the next time we see MJF in the ring. To answer your questions, obviously it's Ricky Starks. Then it's going to probably be, in my opinion, Jungle Boy. He called out Eddie Kingston, um, and he called out Brian Danielson. The angle is set for Danielson, and that is a big money match. Where you get to or how you get to it, I also feel him and Eddie Kingston's a big money match. And I would literally pay – I lay down my money yeah. just to see the the verbal war. That's a good one, Tommy. I mean, you know what? And I think it's a good question for the Busted Open Nation as well. Who is going to be that person that steps up to MJF? Go ahead, Bully. I, I agree with Tommy a thousand percent. The only person I want to see step up to MJF is Eddie Kingston because MJF looks like a, he wears the nicest clothes. Okay. He went, you know, his jewelry, his suits, his scarf, he's educated. He speaks well. He's, he's nothing but class. Right. And what's Eddie Kingston? A backyard garbage bag wrestler piece of dog shit. Wow. And I say that in the nicest way. Because Eddie is the complete 180 of MJF. But what they both have in common is that gift of gab. Yes. Eddie Dustin don't Rhodes look- versus Ric Flair. There you go. I, 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 seriously, I want to punch you in the face because it was on the tip of my tongue. I was going to say, Dave, remember two guys named Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair? When Dusty would have on would have on his jeans tucked into his boots, his his shirt on with his jacket because you knew he hadn't changed out of his clothes for two days because he was up partying all night long and having a great time. But meanwhile, Rick looked like every thread of his clothing and every bucks. piece of jewelry was in the right right spot. And Eddie and MJF are going to be gold on the microphone. And you don't need it to be a, a, a five-star wrestling match. I could give a shit less about Brian Danielson and MJF in a wrestling match. Who cares? Because you know what, Bully? It comes down to what you just said before. You just want somebody to get into that ring and punch him in the face. And that's exactly what Eddie Kingston's going to do. Eddie Kingston's not going to do a moonsault off the top rope onto MJF. He's not going to do a dive, you know, through the middle rope outside the ring. He's just going to go in there and punch him dead square in the face. And I think that's exactly what the Busted Open Nation wants to see as well. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. If you missed anything this week on Mad Dog Sports Radio, I got you covered. It's Mike Bapchitz. Morning After, where we play back the best clips of the week and recap in a way you have never heard before. It's a roast like no other, and no one is safe. Not Mad Dog, not anyone. This is a Morning After walk of shame you actually won't regret. You can find Mike Bapchitz Morning After on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. And we had match number three in the series between Death Triangle and the Elite. Uh, the Elite down 2-0. Uh, Tommy, much-needed victory last night in the main event on Dynamite. And it was one hell of a main event, man. It was uh, a great car crash. These guys keep crushing it. They do things that keep topping themselves uh, each and every time they go out there and perform. 
Love the finish. Very, very simple. Put the knees up. Guy's got a broken nose. The way Pac sells is just off the charts. Knocked out. I wish he would have stayed that way throughout, not stood up later when they're going off the air uh, and pointing angrily and menacingly. You got your ass knocked out. Have your boys or the manager guy bring you back up that uh, apron because you're uh, a warrior, you're a fighter, and you're come back and fight another day because you know you have another fight to have. And uh, every great team can suffer a loss in a best of series and keep moving forward. I loved it. I loved the end. I also loved the very, very personal touch with Kenny saying goodbye to everybody. And uh, I just really, really enjoy because I enjoy that type of car crash match. Well, I, and I like the goodbye and the good night at the the end of the show. That's old school Kenny. We haven't seen that in a while on Dynamite. Uh, Bully, what did you think of the match in the series so far? I, uh, much like Tommy, believe that there is room on every wrestling show for a match like we saw last night between Death Triangle and the Elite. That car crash spot fest type of match. Personally, I would have liked to have seen Death Triangle win. I would have loved to have seen the Elite backed into a corner where now they have to win every single match. Like when a baseball team goes down 3-0 in the World Series, and now it becomes becomes the age-old one game at a time. Now it's one match at a time. The Elite, I would have booked the Elite into a corner where this is do or die for them. And now every match means something. So I, I I don't know. Maybe this is their way of, you know, making the people happy, giving them something to cheer for, which is Tommy will always say, you have to, you know, give the people hope. I would have saved it. And I would have saved it for that first victory. I think they would have got a much bigger response using that same finish if it was, the elite's first uh, win. I also, at the beginning of the match, have a question for you guys. And this goes back to the refereeing situation. How do you start a match from the floor without you you guys in the ring? (laughs) You don't. And And this is where, you know, I have a tough time. Bully and I and and I understand what Tom, Tommy just said. He loves these car crash type of matches. And Bully, you just said there's a place on the card for these car crash type of matches. It plays much better live as you guys were as you're watching on TV. The place is going absolutely insane. And when I was watching the match that they had in Newark at Full Gear, I was going absolutely insane. It's one of those things where. When you're experiencing it live, it's much better than on TV. It's it's much more difficult for me, and I you know, and the nation could have a completely different take. It's harder for me to buy in to these types of matches when I'm at home watching it on TV. And you see the crowd. I mean, the crowd went crazy, but I'm with you. Like there was so much going on before the match even started, and then the way that that match started. It's hard for me to get emotionally invested in the match when it is just a car crash like we saw last night. And I don't like I said, and like Tommy said, we don't mind the car crashes. We enjoy the car crashes. But even in a car crash match, you can put a little bit of credibility on a referee. The referee is outside with 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 the um, with the two teams. He's trying to get some order. In place, he's trying to get the teams in the ring. And then we get Kenny, who rolls in for half a second, and the referee rings the bell. Why? Why is the referee ringing the bell from the floor when one guy rolled in the ring? Shouldn't we have gotten Kenny in the ring and one of the death triangle guys in the ring? And then the ref slides in, rings the bell, because now there's one member from each team in the ring. Now you ring the bell. And then those two guys want to dive out again, so be it, whatever. I just don't know how they do that. And then the ref gets bumped the way he did. I'm a big believer in if if a ref gets touched by a wrestler, especially if you're taking a baseball slide drop kick, wrestlers are like 
um, like video game characters or comic book superheroes and referees are like mortal men and women. So I want to know how the referee could take the drop kick the, and still continue the match. Things like this do not make sense to me. And this is where I, once again, uh, if nobody else wants to point it out, I will be the one that will do it. It takes such little thought and such um, uh, uh, just a little bit of, uh, of patience to get two guys in the ring and then ring the bell. It's that simple. And yeah, then you and, can and, go and, buck wild and do whatever else you want. And I'm trying to remember. I got to go back and watch, but I think it was just... I think they the elite threw the death triangle in the ring and then and then Knox rang the bell. I could be wrong. Like, but no, but Kenny rolled in the ring and then rolled out. Okay. Kenny rolled uh, in. Kenny rolled in. The ref rang the bell from the floor. Kenny rolled back out. Like, yeah. why would wouldn't you? And, and Tommy can attest to this, especially with the rules and the way refereeing is handled both in the WWE and in Impact Wrestling. If that was Impact Wrestling, that match would have never started. Now, I know it's a different company. They have their own set of, of rules and regulations, whether you agree or not. But how difficult is it to roll one guy, for one guy to roll in, the other guy to roll in, the ref to roll in, ding, 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 and then if you want, dive out onto the floor? I mean, is that so difficult? Is that too much to ask for? No. Uh, the other part, you could have made it a no DQ. As the feud keeps on escalating, hey, this one's going to be a no DQ. Give them different type of variety of matches. Me, I don't mind it, though, just because I, I do feel um, it's a big pet peeve of yours. And I also have that suspension of disbelief. And when I'm enjoying a match like that, I don't care about like the referee or the lack of refereeing. Your point is 1000% correct and how it could be made better but I'm also just enjoying that type of thing. Cause then it's also like, how does a guy kick out from a top rope Falcon arrow move or this other thing? It's like, well, because he can. And then if you go back and you watch, I don't know, friggin' undertaker versus anyone wrestles, Shawn Michaels, how many super kicks, how many choke slams? I know they saved it for the bigger shows, but for these guys, every show is a big show. Uh, I did. I enjoyed the match. I enjoy their athleticism. I enjoy the stories, the selling, uh, all that they do. What's selling? Oh, there's some selling. What's selling? Again, you're there's no thing. selling. I disagree. Even well, the like referee the did not sell. Well, I like the story with the hammer because the hammer was definitely in play for those first two matches. And then it could have been in play uh, last night, but wasn't. And I think, and that's a big reason why. Death Triangle lost the match, so I'm wondering how that's going to play out moving forward. Uh, yes, the the story within Death Triangle with the hammer, definitely a little story there. As I said before, I went into the referee stuff. Um, I enjoy a car crash match. If I'm going to see any two teams do it, those are the two teams that I want to see do it because they do an excellent job of it. It takes such little thought to, to, to improve the refereeing, but they seem hell-bent on not wanting to do it at times, and I would have loved to have seen the Elite go down 3 nothing. I think the 3-0, three, the three Tommy, by the, what Bully said, I think would actually be good because now you're not getting another match from them until winter is coming. So that that's something you could be talked about. Like, they're down 3-0. Like, we, you know, the Elite, you know, they've been gone for a while. You know, Def Triangle has been has has had so much momentum, and now you know how are they going to come back from a three zero deficit? I think I I think Bully's right on that. I think that would be kind of a cool story moving forward. Maybe it's more realistic having it two one. Maybe three zero is too much of a deficit, but that would have been kind of interesting to me. Yeah, uh, here's two parts of that as well. Uh, number one, their their entrance, awesome. There's also some booze within that entrance. Um, and then on the other side with the death triangle, there's also some cheers with that yeah. entrance. So how are you going to get, who's going to be the baby face when death triangle is supposed to be the heels, you would put them under a, you know, ultimate underdog situation. I thought Taz Excalibur did a great job of explaining. These guys aren't used to losing two matches in a row. Uh, so that made it feel big fight. But you know what? There was also a big deficit in real sports. Being down three games to one uh, is a big, big uh, 
oh my God, we got to win the next, you know, three games. So uh, agreed that it could be made that way, but that's kind of how they always do it in wrestling because then, you know, oh my gosh, they're gonna, you know, uh, you know, win the next four because there's never going to be a sweep, even though it'd be great if there was um, just to be different. But the other part of all of that would seriously be like if you're down three, one, or if you tie it two to two, and then you could lose the next one. And it's like, I mean, think of real sports. Oh my God, my guys got to win because if not, it's, it's winner, winner, go home. Yeah. And you know, to, to the point that bully made like that, that crowd last night, and I'm watching it back right now was on their feet the entire match. Like, the entire match, that crowd was on their feet. And you said something that's interesting, too, Tommy, about the booze. Because think of the elite. Look, Like, look who's coming out with the elite. You got Don Callis, who's one of the most hated men in AEW, coming out with the elite. And, you know, the Death Triangle, before what we saw at Full Gear, was one of the more popular teams in AEW. So I, I think there is a bit of a mixed reaction for both these teams. Yes. People, uh, sorry, good. No, you go. People have forgotten that they hate Don Callis because they love Kenny. So if they love Kenny, they're going to love Don. If they hate Kenny, they're going to hate Don. It's all about what Ken, you know, what direction Kenny goes in. And and Don is staying way, way out of the spotlight right now. He's garnish at best. Well, he does Ooh, a great job one. on commentary. He's been jumping on commentary during their matches, which I think has been I think has been good. Um, but like. But but it is interesting with Don Callis because Don Callis was hated. Yeah, and if you knew him, you'd hate him even more. <laughs> As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store... Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This is Adam Shine, host of the Adam Shine Podcast. Here to tell you, you can listen to my podcast all year round. I'll give you my NFL picks against the spread. Give you fantasy advice all season long. While being joined by the best guests in all of sports. He's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. This is what I expect. You know, I expect to play well every year. We release episodes of the Adam Shine Podcast every week. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, included with most subscriptions. The Adam Shine Podcast. Guys, we get Moxley in the ring. That's no surprise, but Bully, the return of Hangman Page. First time we've seen Hangman Page in just about two months on Dynamite. Hell of a surprise. Very, I love the immediate face-to-face. Uh, Hangman uh, not playing up to the crowd the minute he walked out. It was all business. Uh, Moxley goes a little too far with the verbiage right off the bat. So, you know, uh, insinuating that he can't remember something because of the concussion. And here we go. Fists are flying. Love the physicality. Love the pull apart. Love the fact that Moxley took a bump off the side of the ramp. Not because I wanted to see him get hurt, but it gave it an air of realism. Like he was going back after um, uh, 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 a hangman and then just takes a bump off the side of the stage like, yeah, that could happen. One time I did a run-in on a match and Tommy was standing on the stage and I knocked him off the stage. Like shit can happen. I knocked him off the ramp. Then it continued in the back into a next segment. Uh, I, I like the business that was done. Yeah, also tore my meniscus, first injury that I had when I debuted in uh, Impact Wrestling. Thanks, Bully. Um, Mox shoot fell off that ramp. If that was me, that's when I called on the fly. And I lay there because of how the reaction of the people. And then I have Mox, uh, I'm sorry, Paige jump on me. But anyway, um, I agree. That was a big, and the people groaned on that. Hangman Page coming back. Um, I'm a big Hangman Page fan. 
that feud seems real. Uh, here's the best part about it. Moxley's your former AEW champion, should have a title shot rematch against MJF. Best way what they just did, divert attention from it. He'll be now off and doing stuff with Hangman Page. Yeah. Don't need it. WWE's usual go-to is whoever wins the title, though we haven't seen it in a long time. It's you get your rematch on television, and then you normally would go into a tag team. This is a great still keeping Mox in a main event picture and a main event feud with Hangman Page. And those two guys crushed it already, and they will crush it again because there is unfinished business because Hangman Page got knocked out. And when you knock a dude out and you say, I knocked you out, hey, there's your there's your issue right then and there. And I loved it, and I love how now I'm going to see that. And that's before when we're talking about when – uh the caller talked about him back to the MJF thing. I'm invested in Moxie versus Page. Totally. You have my money. Think of the card, the next pay-per-view that you can have with all these people. Good stuff. There's, and a couple of things that I wanted to just you know throw back that you guys brought up. Number one, Bully, when you said about the physicality from Hangman Page, I remember having a conversation with you. I guess it's been a couple of years now about Hangman Page how it was something similar to what we saw last night, but he was playing up to the crowd. Uh, that's not the case last night. Like I bought in to the physicality because Hangman was buying into the physicality. He wasn't doing it for anything else but the fact that he wanted to get to Moxley. It's, it's easy to buy in when you have physicality the way that we saw it on Dynamite last night. Um, music and entrance, obviously a big deal in the world of pro wrestling. And your music and entrance should always be a connector and mirror what you are doing in your match or your story. If it's a cold match, yeah, give them all the pomp and circumstance of your music and entrance and the fanfare. But last night, after what had happened to Hangman Page in that match with Moxley and the, the, the rivalry that they have, there's no reason for Hangman Page to come to the top of that ramp and be like, hey, look, everybody. I'm back. Cheer for me. No, it was all business. Kind of reminiscent of Jeff, not uh, actually not reminiscent, kind of the opposite of what we saw from Jeff Hardy when yeah. he debuted in AEW, making the save for his brother, Matt, and doing like an entrance and playing up to the people. Your brother is getting his ass kicked. And there you are, uh, you know, playing it up to the people. Why would you be doing that? It makes no sense. Yeah. And I like what we saw there. And, and Tommy, to your point, the pull apart in the brawl. You know, with 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 Moxley falling off that entrance ramp, and I love the fact that you know the commentators, you know, made note of it. Said that he was so lost in the moment, he didn't even know where he was, and he lost his footing on the entrance ramp. It's like you know, everybody saw it. Why ignore it? Play off of it because it buys into the brawl that we saw, Tommy. Yes, and it was a wild ass brawl. Stuff happens, people. There's also another great job by Taz when he talks about, I've been in these situations. Dude, you have no clue. A lot of the the people holding you are, you know, independent wrestlers. There's some who know how to hold you. There's others that I've seen guys get their pecs torn, uh, their biceps torn, trying to break away from that pack. There's a lot of bodies or somebody's head will hit yours or you go to throw a punch and you blast somebody in the eye with your elbow as you're throwing a punch. It's a wild, wild scenario in a small space with a lot of bodies, especially when you're moving up a ramp. So these are all the danger factors. I mean, Mox could blow out his knee. There could have been a lot of things that happened, but these are the real things that happen in pull-aparts, even when they're in the ring and you're trying to hold people back. It's a hard thing to do. And But overall, we're going to see Mox versus Page down the line. I'm a big uh, Hangman Page fan. Another guy who could be and was the face of the company for a bit. I I equate him to a Bret Hart. I really like his work. I think he's solid, and I think he's a great champion uh, and representative of a company and always had really, really good matches, and I know we're going to see another one with John Moxley. Bully, does it matter that they're both babyface wrestlers in AEW, that the fans support both them? I mean, you have John Moxley, who's – who's, you know, one of the more popular wrestlers in AEW, and then Hangman Page is just returning from being out for two months. Does that matter? 
I don't think it matters to the AEW fan base because they like picking and choosing and sometimes they pick and choose both. There's there'll probably be times where they love both guys and they might even hate both guys. Moxley would come off better as the heel in this scenario, but they're never going to push Moxley as a heel in this, in this scenario, nor should they let the people make up their own minds. They're invested in it, especially after last night, Tommy, a big prize fight feel. Um, If I could go back to the eighties, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Marvin Hagler, was there a heel? Was there a baby face? It all depended on who you really liked more. And the two guys went out there and crushed it. Those guys will have big fight feel matches. Yeah, and, it, and, and I like the what big you, fight feel matches without a title on the line. Yeah, that what makes you invest in a type of match with a real life history, man. You, I got knocked out on national television. That's embarrassing. I knocked you out on national television. Done. That's all I got to say. Busted open as part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more. Please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/slash activecash.